Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Hilchis Maser, the laws of tithing. As we continue, Perik Hamishi, chapter 5. This is what we call here in Southern California, Cinco de Maser. The fifth chapter of the laws of tithing. Aleph 1, we know that when it comes to laws of tithing, repeatedly in many, many venues, in many details, we talk about when the law kicks in and when one is able to continue to snack from the produce without setting aside the miser. When somebody purchases already picked fruit, detached fruit, or produce to eat it. So he's intending to eat, which is good, and it's been detached, which are all factors which contribute in the obligation kicking in. By rabbinic law, the miser obligation kicks in. By Torah law, it doesn't, we learned earlier. But by rabbinic law, it does. As we explained, at one point in time, is the sale affected? So the obligation kicks in. Once he pays the money, which is the biblical point of kicking, even though he did not pull the object toward him and acquire it. What if he did not give money? He was picking and taking and picking and taking. Even all day. Even though he decided in his heart to take. He's not obligated to give the tithe. However, if he was a God-fearing man, once he decides in his heart, he gives the tithe. And then he gives it back to the seller. If he wants to return it, he can still return it later. At least he fulfilled his biblical obligation. If somebody purchases produce that is attached to the earth, attached to the ground, or he purchased harvested produce, but with the intent of sending it to somebody else, it was not then set aside, then it, it, it is not established with the truma, with the Meiser obligation. As we said, in various cases before, he can still eat from it intermittently. If somebody says to his fellow, to his friend, he says, listen buddy, hey, take this coin, an iser is a coin used in the Talmudic area of moderate value. Come see, come sa. Take this coin. Take this quarter and give me five teinim. Give me five figs for it. Five for a quarter. That's in my mother's time. Then he's permitted by Meiser law to eat one by one, and he's exempt from Meiser. He didn't say that, but if he took all five together, that taking them together, Chayv La'asr kicks in the obligation for tithing. Here is this coin, and I want to give you this for 20 figs, that I will choose. No problem, let him choose one by one and eat. 
a cluster that I will choose, he can go ahead and pick it from the tree. For the pomegranate that I will pick, he picks it apart, seed by seed, in the tree, he eats it, for the watermelon, that I will pick, he puts it on the ground, and he eats piece by piece of watermelon. However, if he cut the pigs and combined them, he cut the cluster of the watermelon, and he just cut it up into mucho pieces, and he already has to give my because he acquired the detached, and he grouped them together. But if he said to him, here's a coin, for these two, uh, for these two, for these two figs, for these two clusters of grapes, for these two pomegranates, for these two watermelons, he can just keep cutting and eating intermittently as a snack. Because they were not established as a sale, because he took them while they were still attached. And one of the key elements of kicking in obligation is when it becomes detached. If somebody exchanges with his friend, he says, I'll give you some, and you give me some. That exchange had the effect of establishing both these groups of produce to be obligated in tithing. Because they took them detached. However, if one took in order to be able to cut it, and the other took in order to be able to cut it, they were both not established. Because sale never establishes something that was never completed in its cycle. As we learn, what if one took food that was exchanged for eating? And another one exchanged the right to cut. One took ready, already cut food. The other took the right to cut produce. The one who took to eat, is obligated to give the tithe because it's already detached. He took it to eat. But the one who took the right to cut it down, the fact that it was not cut and he still has to cut it, means it was not yet established with the obligation for Meiser. Hey, if somebody says to his friend, go gather 20 figs for me of mine. Go gather 20 figs of mine. And in return, I will fill my belly from your figs. They're both exempt. This is not concerned, considered barter, which would be a sale. This is just, you have mine, I'll have yours, have a good day. But if he bunched it together in an official looking way, then it kicks in. A gift never establishes a miser obligation like a sale. What if an ignorant person, an unlearned person, very unfamiliar with the laws of Miser, someone who cannot be relied upon that he gave Miser. Shayeva Bashuk, he's crossing, passing through the marketplace. And he says, Hey, guys, you want some figs? Have a few figs. Now, the question is, what are these figs? Did this unlearned man tie them? Did he not? 
Eichlin and Peturim, they can eat, and they're exempt. Don't worry about it. Shein HaMatona Kevaz, because a gift doesn't establish the obligation. However, if, as we learned earlier, they brought it into their houses, when, when the produce is completed full cycle and you bring it into your house, that is an establishment establishing factor. So here they brought someone else's stuff into their house. If most of the people bring stuff into the houses there, then they for sure have to give tithe. But most of them bring it into the marketplace. Then they only have to deal with it as unsure Produce. Shema Iser, maybe the other guy did, and then he brought it to the marketplace. And if he said, take it and bring it into your house, when he brings it into the house, they have to give tithing just in case. If he gave malat, even if he said to him, take and eat. If he said to him, take it and bring it in. He doesn't eat until he corrects it. So also if he gives him something that's not usually eaten raw, or if he was a great man who doesn't usually eat walking in the street, then corrects it in a demise situation, in an uncertain situation. Zion 7, but there were two of them. He says to one of them, take and eat. tells the other one, go take it into your house. The one who he tells, take and eat, potter, he's exempt. And the other one, who he says, take it into your house, by virtue of that, he can take it, but he's obligated to give So also people who are sitting in the gate or in a store, where we talked about this earlier, that a storekeeper, it's as if it's his domain, so it's like his house. And he said to them, take and eat. They can eat and they're exempt. That's because the people took it into somebody else's gateway, somebody else's store. But the owner of the gateway, the owner of the store, cannot eat until they will set aside, just in case. It's like he said to these, go bring it into your house. Because the store is like the house. What about the guys who brought it into somebody else's store? We've already established that a house that's not yours does not establish this obligation. Nine. If somebody hires workers to work with him with produce, whether detached, still attached. Being that by Torah law, they're permitted to eat while they work, because the Torah says. You can't hire an employee and forbid him from eating while he's working in that area. Then they may eat. And they're certainly not obligated to tithe because it's not their food. But if he made a condition with them and gave them the ability to eat more than the Torah mandated that they may. For example, the worker established. He established with the worker he says, you're a good worker. You can have your sons come into the field and eat as well. He says, you can bring your son to the field and this will be your salary. Your son will eat. Or after you finish working, you work from 8 to 4 and at 4 o'clock you can sit down and eat as much harvested food as you want. In that case, he's being given food. 
He has to tithe it. He's eating because of the condition, not because of the Torah condition. It's like he's purchasing. What if an employer hired a worker to hoe, H-O-E, around olive trees? And he made a condition that the worker could eat of the olives. There's no reason the worker can't eat one by one, by one olives one by one. Or potter and exempt from maaser. But if he combined them, then the obligation for tithing kicks in. If a worker was hired to hoe around onions, and he stipulated that he can have vegetable, green vegetables. Mekarsem, where are we? Mekarsem, ola, ola, he can eat leaf by leaf. He can tear off, he can cut off leaf by leaf, and eat it. But if you combine them all, Chayev is obligated in tithing. What if the worker stipulated that he would eat a litra of olives? From a miser perspective, he can eat one by one. But if you combine them, Chayav Lasser is obligated to tithe. Because he's eating an established amount, he becomes like a purchaser. Because if he combines them, it becomes established. Like Kitsis, but if he didn't cut them off, but he's eating like Torah Lom, little by little, he can eat as much as he wants. Provided that, and this is one of the principles. We learned much earlier in the beginning of these laws, chapter 3, halacha 3, that there are six things that establish miser. First we learned was bringing it into the courtyard, then we learned a sail, then we learned flame, and then we learned salting. So he says here, provided he doesn't salt it. He doesn't dip them in salt. Avil himself is Bamelch, he dips them in salt, achas, achas. One by one, mutter, shtaim, shtaim, two by two, also it's forbidden. Shani nigbo, Bamelch, as we learned earlier in chapter 3, Allah 3. Salt establishes and kicks in the obligation for Meiser. Payal a worker, Shayesa Bilabosin, who was working with low quality figs. Cannot eat, should not eat high-quality figs. Because the guy hired him to work with low-quality figs, he has no right to eat the high-quality figs. I mean, come on. If he hired him to work with the higher-quality figs, he should not eat the low-quality figs until he tithes. Why? Because he's not eating as a worker. He's eating because he thinks he, he, he has the right. He has to tithe. But better yet, the worker should wait until he reaches the better quality figs, because that's his right to eat. If somebody takes workers out to the field to do work for him, if he's not required to feed them, they can eat from the fruits of the field. And they're exempt from mice, provided that the full work cycle is not complete. But if he has an obligation to feed them, they may not eat. Even though the full cycle was not complete, the rule is you cannot pay a financial obligation from produce from which truma and meiser has not been taken. Therefore, if he's paying a financial obligation, it's a problem. 
but there's no reason they can't snack one by one. Not from the basket, not from the container, not from those set aside, or amukta. You dalid When the one cooks, produce, boils it, or pickles it, which we learned earlier, it also establishes it and kicks in the obligation for miser, which is ha'esh. That's the idea of fire, or melach. However, if somebody smokes produce until he's ready to eat them, then there's doubt whether he's obligated to tithe or not. If somebody hides produce in the ground, I guess to produce to, to preserve it. A beteven or in straw, a bezebel or in manure, in fertilizer. These are various preservatives. Until they're ready to be eaten. That process does not Establish them as obligated for Meiser, Tezayin 16. If somebody places wine into a cook dish, which is hot, and this ruling applies even if the cooked food has been removed from the fire, because fire is one of those establishing factors we learned earlier, but still it's, here it's removed, but still hot. Or he places oil in a pot or a baking dish while they're boiling. This too establishes it and kicks in the miser, the tithing obligation. If he mixes wine with hot water, he establishes it. Needless to say, if he cooks the wine, even in the wine press, he's forbidden to drink from it until he gives the tithe, because I guess this probably falls into the category of fire, cooking, heat. When garlic cress or mustard seed were crushed in the field and <coughs> mixed with oil, the situation kicks in and it becomes tevel necessary to set aside tithing. Somebody squeezes a cluster of grapes into a cup. He makes, I guess, grape juice. Nigba establishes it, but into a pot, it is not established. Because the wine was absorbed immediately by the food in the pot and never became a distinct entity. We're speaking about food that's cold. Otherwise, we said that heat already does it. If somebody salts produce in the field, remember salting was one of these establishing factors. Nikbu, that itself, establishes it as obligated for Maeser. If he dipped olives one by one into salt, and he ate them, is exempt. If somebody opens olives so the fluid will flow out, is exempt. If somebody removes olives from the storage vat, he can dip one by one into salt. But if he salts a bunch and places them in front of him, that's called salting. It's chayav. It kicks in the obligation for ma'aser. But all similar situations. Nineteen. If somebody gives the heave offering to his produce of truma, from his produce of truma, where by Torah law it was an inappropriate 
heave offering and he has to redo it. Nikbulamaiser, just that act of having done it wrong, establishes them and obligates them for the tithing process. He can't even eat intermittent from it. Until he takes the truma. The second time, which is the corrective phase, and give tithing. Another factor which we learned in chapter 3, Halacha Gimel, where he enumerates the six things. The last of the six is Hashabos, that the fact that the Sabbath kicks in on Shabbos, all of our work is done. So I guess the done concept extends into the produce and the tithing obligation kicks in. So he says here, when the full cycle was completed with produce and then Friday night came, Nikbu, the fact that it's now Friday night, has established the obligation for tithing. He may not eat of it, even after Shabbos, even on Sunday, until he tithes, because the fact that A, the full cycle has been completed, B, it's Shabbos, means you must tithe. The Shabbos children who hid figs and said, let's put it away for Shabbos. They forgot to give tithing. They may not eat it until Saturday night because you're not allowed to tithe on Shabbos. So they have to wait until Saturday night, tithe it, and then they can eat it. If there was a fig tree, which was a fig tree from fig trees, and its fruit were usually eaten only on Shabbos. And he gathered a basket. He may not eat of this Shabbos fig tree until he takes tithing. The fact that these, this produce is reserved for Shabbos, and Shabbos, the, the fact that the Shabbos represents completion, we're done. This establishes the obligation for Truma. So this tree was a Shabbos tree. Chav Gimel, the closing paragraph of this chapter. What if he was munching on a cluster of grapes? And suddenly, boom, it's Friday night, it's dark. He should not complete his eating on Shabbos. Until he gives tithing, which is after Shabbos. But if he set it aside for after Shabbos, and he didn't do anything at all on Shabbos being that he began partaking from it before Shabbos and places them aside so that the Shabbos not affect them. Then he can continue munching one by one. End of chapter 5.